Welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. Uh, today we have Johan Issa, product owner of Global Connectivity at H&M. So like we did in some of our previous interviews with WAN managers, we're going to hear the story of H&M's network, sort of how, it, how it's set up, the process uh, that Johan and his colleagues took to get it where it is, and hopefully something a little about where it's headed. Uh, so, Johan, I thought it would be great if you could uh, just start out by uh, introducing a little bit about your background, H&M itself, and uh, what you're doing there. Okay, thanks. Well, uh, my name is, is Johanisa, and uh, I've been with H&M for the past uh, four, almost five years now. Um, so, during that time, I've been working within the infrastructure network domain, basically, all the time. Um, prior to coming to, to H&M, I was actually, I've done various things within, within the IT area. Uh, I started off my career a long time ago working for an ISP, uh, Telia, mm-hmm. Telia Carrier, maybe you've heard about it. It's one of uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a large yeah, network, very yeah. big. Yeah. So, so I actually got my, all my knowledge there regarding uh, internet and how, how basically the whole infrastructure works from, from, uh, from the communication mm-hmm. level. So I had various positions in product management and product development within Telia. You know, I think that that uh, there's something to be said for having that telecom background in mm-hmm. the WAN manager space. A lot of folks come the other direction, kind of just coming from a purely sort of a network background programming, mm-hmm. you know, ISDN telephone closets long ago. And, and uh, sometimes they are missing some of the bigger picture of what the telecom world is out there. Um, so it can be very helpful to to have that background. Yeah, for me, it's been very useful, at least since, since you know, I've, I've, I've been on the other side and... and uh... I also understand the complexity if you have, have a network as large as ours since right. H&M as, as a company is, is a worldwide company. So that, that right. makes, uh, right. sometimes it makes life easier and sometimes it makes mm-hmm. life a bit harder. Um, but anyway, so, so after that, I was working within Ericsson for five years with, with managed services. Hence, mm-hmm. when Ericsson are you know, taking over operations from, from uh, ISPs or, or mobile operators to, so the, uh, they can lower their um, CapEx and just have OpEx. Right. You know, outsourcing operations. Um, so that that was a large large journey as well within the Ericsson domain. So you've done you've done a sort of full circuit of the ecosystem, then like carriers, managed service providers, and then end user. Ah, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Well, in yeah. between that, I would actually I was actually within the Swedish Dark Forces for a few years, working with IT ah, on the application cool. layers. Mm-hmm. So I've done a, yeah. I've done a various things before. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, that I mean, that all helps bring everything uh, together, yeah. uh, and and to see different pictures. So, mm-hmm. since you mentioned H and M is is a global company, um, it it uh, is has a has a big reach. Can you just give us like a, a general high level picture of what the network um, looks like now? I assume in retail, uh, you know, a lot of the companies I talk to have 150, 200 sites, especially you know, mm-hmm. sort of more um, large offices, uh, kind of with knowledge workers. You have a bunch of retail locations. I assume you have way more than that. Uh, what, what kind of site count do you have around the world and, and what's the geographic distribution? Well, well in general, we, we, have, we have a presence in, we are in about 55 online, online markets across the globe and we are present mm-hmm. in about 75 countries with our, uh, with our stores. Um, wow. So it, it's a fairly extensive footprint. And of course, mm-hmm. we deliver our operations in our um, stores in, in different ways. Sometimes you, they are, you know, basically outsourced operations, and and sometimes it's mm-hmm. most of the time it's within our own responsibility. Depends a little bit about the legal structure in the countries. 
Um, but then uh, that, that's the size of the store network. So it's, it's about uh, 4,800-ish. And you can all find it on the web page if you want to have the exact figure. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you Absolutely. Can find it there. Um, but that's that's a really I mean, like I said, that's that's a, a bigger network than a lot of the enterprises that, that we talk to in our surveys and these conversations. So you have a lot of sites to manage. I assume then also that you have those sites kind of differentiated by general type. You've got some, you know, back office uh, headquarters kind of sites. A lot of those are, are point of sale. Um, can you can you give us kind of a rundown of what types of sites you're dealing with there? Yeah, actually, what, what would we uh, what we have is we have looked at the different type of site. Though I mean, basically, the business at H and M is within require you know certain support functions to support the stores and our online online sales, of course, as well. And mm-hmm. and as as we all know, you need to have these huge large warehouses, which is essentially right. the heart of everything, supporting store operations in one or many countries. And also supporting the online area, of course, as well. Um, and and then you have the other side of the of the of the of the, of the, of the chain. So let's say that's when you have our call centers, when when we have customers calling us, asking any type of questions, and and, and uh, working with that. And of course, those has to be multi-language uh, warehouses have to be in in locations mm-hmm. which that's are strategically good, as well as that they usually have have a complexity because we know that land is much cheaper <laughs> far out mm-hmm. from, from cities yeah, that's right. and that that's good yeah. from a real estate perspective but from yes. from from a network perspective it could be a bit of a challenge because of course the availability requirements are really high for that type of right. sites yeah the the real estate team never thinks about telecom do they um, <laughs> yeah. well we, we, we try to try to be there early on and, and just to have yeah. the discussions ongoing because the lead times are right. often very long as well to get the Right. Required availability. So that's the way mm-hmm. we try to mm-hmm. approach it. Yeah. All right. So can you take us through kind of um, what the uh, physical, the product configuration of, of your network is now? Are you running MPLS? Are you running internet? Um, what kind mm-hmm. of what kind of uh, uh, services are you running? And does that differ by site? Well, essentially, when, when I joined H&M a few years ago, we were in the middle of a large uh, outsourcing project. Uh, but mm-hmm. but the but the actual network at, at that time was decided to we had a essentially since we have a fairly high amount of internal knowledge within the company mm-hmm. within routing and switching and, and, and LAN and Wi-Fi uh, so it's a, I would say it's very skilled people that works here like in, in like in an ISP more or less so it mm-hmm. was very technology driven. Mm-hmm. And, and then basically we had a structure where we wanted to, we came from a, from a legacy where we had a lot of servers actually out in any type of office. Uh, and, and there was a drive mm-hmm. to try to consolidate those. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, we, it was a decision made that we should have like a core backbone as, as, as any ISP more or less. And then we should tie that, that you're operating rather yeah. than just sort of uh, getting. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we have the complete design responsibility for it, and, mm-hmm. and, and then someone else is taking care of operations. So gotcha. uh, that that was the case when I when I came aboard there, and then then we had taken a decision to reach the uh, reach those pops primarily via VPLS or, or Ethernet essentially. Mm-hmm. So it was a layer two mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So so uh, but but since then, of course, things have changed a lot. Right. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. We we had a, this buzzword cloud came into to play, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. So there has been a lot of you know changes in the last years how to 
make the most out of the new technologies out there to make uh, H&M more competitive and faster and, and reach you know quicker times to market. Right. Um, yeah, to focus on that point real quick, if you don't mind, uh, you, you mentioned you you had a lot of servers in, uh, I assume, like on your corporate premises. So ha- have you gone to a cloud solution where you're pushing more of that to cloud service providers? Or are you doing more kind of a bare metal solution where you still have your own servers just in public uh, uh, colo kind of facilities? Or what options do you go for there? Well, well basically, the, the, the strategy from an H&M perspective is to be cloud-based. Mm-hmm. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's, that's what the strategy is all about. Um, of, of course, it takes time to do these things because you have... You have lots of applications and they have right. been developed for being, you know, on-prem, close to network and, and those things. Right. So, so right. It's, it's a mix, but, but there are very aggressive targets to reach, uh, mm-hmm. to reach uh, certain numbers to be, to be in the cloud. And then in the long run, the intention is to be, for now, completely within the cloud. That, that, gotcha. That's, yeah, and that's, yeah. I hear this story so often where you, someone like you in charge of global connectivity uh, there's so many different teams within IT that you don't think about. You know, it's not only just the security team that you mm-hmm. have to, to, but but also DevOps or whatever kind of software in-house that you guys are doing. Like they they want a particular thing, but does that work with with how you have your network set up? And it becomes it, it while the freedom of SD WAN promises some kind of you know sort of ease, it also creates a lot of complexity in this new environment. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think that uh, we've been you know. The old uh, arguments for SD-WAN, at least when I had met uh, suppliers within the SD-WAN domain a few years ago, was essentially get rid of MPLS, start using internet. Okay, right, right. fair enough, that's good. Uh, I, I understand that the internet is, is, you know, it's a different price tag on it. But you should also be very aware that when you when you buy internet instead of MPLS, you you basically want to utilize an, an, an completely open infrastructure for 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 something that this was not built for from the beginning. Uh, right. So, so you, it, it is not the same thing all the time that you get when mm-hmm. you buy MPLS. And if you, of course, don't understand the underlying technologies behind it, you may not see that. Um, but but, but we, we took a different path in H&M, actually, to, to, to reach you know, that part of the site. So just like three years ago, I, uh, I initiated a project um, mm-hmm. to basically say that we should get rid of our old ethernet lines as i mentioned before right and, and, right. and we have you know two fairly simple bullets that we always try to stick to that's reduced amount of hardware in our network and more internet-based infrastructure mm-hmm. so it, mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with sd-wan or anything Gotcha. From the okay, yeah, because I was going to ask that, 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 that uh, people who do have, whether it's VPLS or Ethernet private line or whatever, that's mm-hmm. part of the issue is that layer two doesn't work well with SD-WAN. There's a lot of SD-WAN True. companies out there that really don't even support layer two. Uh, but, but you're saying you, your move away from the layer two environment wasn't, was driven more by, by the desire to be in, in a layer three kind of cloud enabled environment. Is that uh, what you're saying? Uh, no, I think to be honest that it was, there's uh, uh, <clears throat> another side, side note that in order to be more uh, ready for the cloud, and, and also, mm-hmm. as I said, you have more internet-based infrastructure. Essentially, as I right. described, the old <clears throat> hub and spoke technology that we, we had in our network with, with Backbone. Um, <clears throat> essentially, what we did in the past was more or less just backhauling traffic to 
those core nodes and then we were sending uh, the right. internet traffic out through those pops and that's just mm -hmm. the cost for us uh, right, just to, send right. The to have that centralized uh, breakout exactly. yeah so we, mm -hmm. we we build we established a design where we <clears throat> break out locally from any any offices around the globe mm -hmm. and then we, we go we reach a cloud proxy essentially uh, and then gotcha. then we we tap out as much traffic as we can as close as possible to the edge uh, mm -hmm. and by doing that of course you 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 get completely since we have legal entities in all our countries as i mentioned before it's right. it's very easy for 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 me to utilize that legal entity to locally purchase internet ports and and, mm -hmm. and of course there is a huge price difference if you go to uh to a local tier two isp uh right. compared to to any of the you know big global players Mm -hmm. So, and are you are you talking DIA there? Or are you talking business broadband, like something with you know with SLAs and and a symmetrical service, or is it depend on on where the office is and and what it has available? Yeah, yeah. since since uh, since we are in so many places across the globe, if you go to you know Sri Lanka or Pakistan or Bangladesh, mm -hmm. those countries are of course extremely tricky. And then maybe in those places you need to have like MPLS or something like with an SLA associated to it, but. Usually, mm -hmm. I think this is a majority thing within within uh, an enterprise. Um, <clears throat> usually, when you, when you go to uh, to any country where you are in a place which is you know have fairly well developed infrastructure, you uh, you in my view you get almost the same availability or even higher if you have two ISPs connected to that particular Absolutely. site instead yeah, of just yeah. one. So so mm -hmm. um, it, what we have done we have we have established a framework and and then we work with all our countries. In, in what mm -hmm. option is the best, so to say. So we have we have standardized uh, configuration templates for how to do things with internet and or right. ethernet, for instance. Um, so in a sense, you're sending kind of like these standard, almost like policy, not policy in the IT sense necessarily, mm -hmm. but policies for local teams who speak the local languages that can that can work with local ISPs to 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 get yeah. connectivity. Um, so you almost have like, a, like you said, like a, a, a mini telco operating like a sourcing division around the world. Yeah, it, it's very similar to, to, I mean, I usually call it just for fun, like the McDonald's concept, right? There are a few, <laughs> yeah. few different options and you know, they should taste the same everywhere, right? Right, right, um, right. But, but, but there is a point in, in having high standardization because, I mean, every time you start to do deviations, uh, you open up the risk for having more issues and, and, and more, you know, uh, special configurations in a router or whatever. And when something goes wrong, because it always goes wrong at some point in of time, course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th then you start to, then, then you suddenly have an operations department that could have a lot of problems to fix those. So mm -hmm. we, we have been really like classic at plan, build, operate, uh, as, as you do in any, any operations organization. We've been really strict on that, worked a lot with documentation, high level documents, low level documents, standard operation procedures, but it takes a long time to get it done. And it right, requires right. different type of competences, of course, to do that. Um, mm -hmm. but, but it's been a long journey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and just like your point earlier, it requires having already on board a, a specific set of expertise among the IT team. If you're, you know, I, I talked to some, you know, sort of 
large uh, multinational enterprises that have very small WAN or IT infrastructure teams. Mm -hmm. You really couldn't do the kind of thing you're doing unless you already had a, a certain level of expertise on yeah. board, I assume. So, exactly. Yeah. So it depends on what sourcing model you want to have. I mean, you, you can, of course, go to one player and ask them to take care of it all. That's perfectly fine. Or you mm -hmm. can, as, as, as we have in H&M, I mean, one, one part is the network, of course, but the other side of things is that um, at least in the past, this is shifting a bit now, but you have also application operations and, and essentially what the network is there for is to provide, you know, users to use the applications. That's right. why we are here. It's yeah, not, yeah, nothing exactly. else, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we have chosen a model where we, we have, have a different, then it's not a fully outsourced model at all in that sense. So the responsibility lies within H&M and that's required that you do have very skilled people i would say and, and usually they pay off fairly quick if you start to look at the negotiations with the suppliers and and, and also what value you can can provide to the business yeah i mean we we haven't talked about price yet which is surprising because that's that's uh, my main job as a pricing analyst <laughs> for for network services right but i mean obviously this choice a lot of it has to be driven by the fact that it's so much cheaper to go to a local isp and get internet uh, than it is to go to say you know um, e even even a uh, even a European PTT say or whatever is still going to charge a lot more for doing all of that sourcing for you, but also for having a, a, a bigger network reach. So it sounds like you're you're sort of piecing a network together yourself. I assume in part uh, because you're going to save a lot of money that way. Yeah, that that's for, of course true, and and, and uh, I mean lots of people were very you know skeptical about this this approach in the beginning but but when we really mm -hmm. started to establish the the standard the mcdonald's concept as i said then it's much right. easier for us to know what to ask for and then we can help our countries to do that and usually when you go into uh, to any country if you take you know as an example france for instance that's a big market for h&m right as, as an example and i mean of course locally they purchase more things than just you know bandwidth the stores they have telephony agreements it could be anything right and usually of course they want to piggyback on on those things if they have local business that is not just related to network to for one particular supplier uh, so that, that usually works out pretty well uh, to, to have but it's it's all a question about the central knowledge about what we can do uh, and mm -hmm. work together with the, with the local staff uh, in, right, in every right. country so it, it's an ongoing dialogue and that's extremely important to have that even though it's not on the application layer but more on the infrastructure to have that dialogue with the countries all the time because mm -hmm. they open up stores they close stores they close offices they build warehouses right. yep. so you, you you need to be like a little bit you know ahead of them all the time for what they may ask mm -hmm. for but also you're always a bit behind right yeah so of course of course. well i <laughs> I imagine in some cases you have to get some greenfield development, uh, if, especially in the in the warehouse kind of situation. You may not have two ISPs already connected to that location, or uh, have you had to deal with that? I mean, provisioning times for digging trenches or whatever yeah. can be a nightmare, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But to me, we we just have to, with the knowledge we have within within this within this area, we we should be aware about that, and then we should mm -hmm. also be able to prepare for when those questions come up. So can you do mobile instead as a backup for a while, for instance, can you do, you know, in the worst of cases, satellite that 
doesn't happen today. But so we yeah, can so we yeah. can support the business with the availability requirements that they have. So if we are prepared for that, we know that the questions will come. And then we also know that when you start to deal with landlords to get the diverse fiber path, it could take a long time due to any local legal, you know, restrictions. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, we have had a few, you know, very tough cases in that area, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but uh, so far everything has worked out very well on the, on the WAN block, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. Just just a quick follow up on a couple of things you said there. Is uh, is LTE kind of a, an important part, or is that really for you something a connectivity option of last resort, basically? It's it's a it's a it's a good question. Um, I think you have to look at it from from a few different ways based on where we yeah. are now when we're talking about COVID and, and, and those things. Of course. Uh, yeah. So, so so one thing is when when you talk about LTE as as a you know. Uh, Possibility for for uh, for a backup or whatever in in, in a, mm-hmm. in a lo- physical location we can go for a warehouse again as, as an example where you that site has to be online all the time because we have right. online systems right uh, if there are no we actually developed a solution for this uh, some time ago um, but uh, the uh, the uh, uh, solution didn't really work out uh, in the beginning so we had to go back to the lab and, and try it out. Uh, and and it's many you know you have things such as you know header size how many frames are supported if we speak from a technical perspective right absolutely uh, yeah yeah so, so so you have you have to test it in the lab it takes some time but but in the end we we managed to get it done but um that, so that that's one part and then when 5G will be more available uh, it's mm. it's a lot of mm. talk about 5G but it's not really it's not really there yet uh, so yeah. it's, well, it's not it's not deployed widely as a as a networking technology. I uh, truthfully, I, I'm I'm asking everyone I can about this because from where I sit, it seems like right now most of the carriers are presenting 5G as more of a, a Wi-Fi replacement as a cameras yeah, technology. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good point, and and we we have touched base about this a few times with different players as well, and. and it's exactly as you say. I mean, you have 5G as as as, a, as an alternative to Wi-Fi, um, but but mm-hmm. then it, it is the same thing. There there are some positive things with 5G, which is I'm not an expert in this area, but positioning, mm-hmm. for instance, you, you you can do that much much better than when you have Wi-Fi. Right. As an example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you can use mm-hmm. that in your in your factories or whatever. But if you go for a, if you talk about the network and and, and within an office environment, so to say, I mean. What what I see in the long run, uh, I think in general we see across the globe that more people working from home. It's been much more accepted to work from home. Right. Um, yeah, it's, we, it's here to stay, right? Yeah. I think well, so. I yeah. think it is in one yeah. way or another, and that that really yeah. that really it's it's an interesting area when it comes to LTE because uh, my own view is that mm-hmm. I think that the kind of offices that we have today will completely will look completely different in a few years from now i think we I will agree. have meeting yeah. places meeting areas mm-hmm. right i think Absolutely. my office can be back home as where we you and me are now we we rely on our home internet uh, that we that we we use if we go to the to the to a coffee shop we rely on the local wi-fi there we may right. go to a meeting location where we meet colleagues but then, so I think from a, from from a network perspective and LTE or even 4G, 
what you will see in the long run is that you will have clients that can support all of these access types and, and you maybe you don't even need to have a wi-fi in in in, in parts of your office mm-hmm. maybe you don't need mm-hmm. to have a network at all there maybe you have the network in well, your laptop yeah inside. yeah yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a real question, right? So yeah. as someone whose job it is, to, uh, you, your title is Global Connectivity yeah. Head, right? So, um, uh, you know, d- do you see that as, um, well, first of all, and, and I apologize because I didn't mention ahead of time that we would talk about security, but since we get in this direction, I mean, <laughs> first of all, obviously, in order to really achieve that, we need to have an actual edge-based security kind yes. of solution, right? Right now, everyone's doing a kind of stopgap thing with, you know, VPN, IPsec that's mm-hmm. been around mm-hmm. forever. Um, but but if you if you really want to th- still think of that, what you describe as the network, then the, the thing that defines network is that you, you every device that's getting on the network yes. is a security node, essentially, yes. right? Yes. Um, is, is, is kind of zero trust or... Uh, uh, I, I almost uh, I try to avoid using this term, but it's inevitable now. Mm-hmm. The sassy kind of model yeah. is that—is that something that you guys are looking toward adopting? I mean, I mean, zero trust is on the radar, but but I I can honestly say that that we haven't really. It, it's it's one of those buzzwords, right? That you can when you start of course to, when you start to lift a little bit in the blanket, it's yeah. like, what's in it for us, right? And mm-hmm. and 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 so I think we are we are and try to shape it or to to understand how it could be could be uh, used in, in, a, in a smart way to support H&M business and, and needs, as I just described to you. Mm. Um, right. but, but we're not there yet. But it's, that's, of course, big things. That's, it's much more than just network. It's client applications. Right. But from, from a, from a gen- generic perspective, I think more of the, more of the security aspect you can put on the application layer, uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. less uh, complex the infrastructure has to be. And that right. threat creates agility and speed because then people working closer to the to the business value do not need right. to rely on 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 having me to provide some you know specific feature or whatever. Uh, so so from that perspective, right. I think that that's a good way to go. But but uh, it's it's no uh, no decisions made yet whatsoever. It takes time. To yeah. 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 Out. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to let I mean right now. Really, like when someone talks about SASE, it's it's a concept. It's not even really products that are available for most vendors necessarily, you know. So, yeah, and I think that's a good yeah. point that you mentioned that because when we if we come back to the SD WAN part of, of, of our mm-hmm. our infrastructure, like it's been on the map for a long time, both for our store operations and for, for the rest of our network. Um it was like a few years ago, but at at that time, uh, as I said before, it was the main pitch was, you know replace MPLs with internet and then I told right. the suppliers, but if I'm already doing that, what right. what value right. can you give me then? Right. And and mm-hmm. we had lots of good discussions. Uh, but at mm-hmm. that point at that time also I think that the, the, the solutions as such were fairly undeveloped compared to how they are today. So mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. uh, we can see that the, it's it, it's a rapid development phase of any SD-WAN solution. Right. And, and, right. Uh, Absolutely. I'm actually pretty happy that we have waited a bit mm-hmm. to go down that mm-hmm. road because I think it would have it could have created a lot of challenges that we were not ready for. Um, yeah, if you already have it deployed uh, before these new features, the ability to integrate uh, VNFs and that sort of thing was out, then you already have all of this maybe physical hardware out there that you now already have to kind of rip and replace or update mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. True. Right? So, true. So. 
you brought it up then what where are you kind of with with sd win adoption you've 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 teased that a bit but is it are you are you rolling out now have you selected vendors are you or are you going in that direction uh de- definitely yeah on, on it's, it's, as i said before we have different site categories here right, right. Uh, i mean the stores mm-hmm. it's a it's a large operation it's huge scale we have common solutions for uh, you know uh, right point of sales for instance and that that Mm -hmm. that require a very high standardization to make it work from operation perspective as i described to you before so Mm -hmm. so currently we we are rolling out an sd-wan solution in in all our stores that's an ongoing product right now uh, Mm -hmm. to 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 see how we can then uh, make more out of that platform and, and, and you know, get consolidation uh, possibilities in our network and also to use that technology to, to create higher availability for, for services that are in the stores. Because in the long run in the stores, uh, it's the same thing there. It's, it takes time for things to develop, but, but uh, more of the suppliers, they will be cloud-based in the future. They all, I mean, right. the suppliers work from their side as well as we from our side wants to as I said before, if, if you in any country have any local initiatives to, to create some kind of activity in our store to, to generate more sales, I don't want to be there as, as the bottleneck from, from a network. Right, exactly. No, 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 no. Then we should just say, okay, fine, you can do it. And according to your time plans, you can generate more revenue station up more or less, right? Right. Um, so, so that's that's on the, on the, on the store side. Um, and then, then for the rest of the network, we are actually right now in the middle of performing uh, performing uh, POCs for 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 mm-hmm. as well to have it deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it's a little bit different. Again, we go back to the different site categories. What needs do they have? Right. Uh, right. We have warehouses, for instance, in 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 any location such as where you have lots of third party providers, you have scanners, mm-hmm. you know all kinds of things and, and of course our our warehouse operations business legs so they constantly try to improve and have more efficient uh, operations more like just in time everything that comes with with online sales right and and to right. provide our stores with you know garments when when they when they are running out so and is that is that driving some iot adoption like at the warehouses yeah yeah there are lots of things ongoing in in that area mm-hmm. i mean it, those sites are so big it's like sites mm-hmm. of several football fields so i mean just right. how, how do you like optimize yeah. for like work if, if i'm working there if, if i'm the one who picks up you know garments how do i optimize my path right Right, because it's, right. the distances are so long. So there are many yeah. things ongoing. I'm not really into that, wow. but of course we all understand that that's like a essential part to support the H&M business. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's, and that's an interesting point where, um, you know, the network team's role, like you kind of mentioned before, is to support the, you know, obviously the business needs, mm-hmm. but the, the, you're getting instructions from the rest of the the uh, sort of IT team if, if they're, you know, trying to optimize paths in the warehouse or whatever. And and uh, and I hear a lot of really interesting things in, in the retail end as well, mm-hmm. going back to that about identifying customers when they walk into the store and pushing information to their mobiles and stuff like that. Is, is that something that might be coming down the pike to impact you guys? Yeah, there, there are things on, ongoing within that domain. I mean, from a, mm-hmm. from a, from a general perspective, I mean, we have a, since H&M is such a big company, it's, it's a, we have a huge 
customer base going in and out to our stores. Right. And, and I am confident that within our AI domain, for instance, we are working on how do we, how can we get more knowledge about the behavior? How can, because everything mm -hmm. is about personalization uh, right. and, and those things, but, but, and of course, then you, then you do need to have technical platforms that support you to, to get more information that is then okay to, to, to bring in and summarize according you have GDPR and also those things coming into play as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. man. Let's not forget. Made everything that. difficult, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I understand the, I understand the impetus behind it, certainly, mm. but, uh, yeah. but it, it caused, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So lots of those things are ongoing. And then also, I mean, even though I happen to work with a network in H&M, as I said to you before, I, I have no intention to just, you know, build a huge network. We should, we should be where it's required and needed. Right. And, and uh, sometimes I say to the people that I work with, we can save X amount of, of money here. Uh, mm -hmm. We can uh, reallocate those money to, you know, do a campaign or whatever. Right. So right. it's very easy. The far, the more far away you are from, from the core business, the easier it is to, to forget that we are actually here to, to do that and be a strictly, you know, demand driven organization. Uh, Right. And, and support it. But it's challenged with uh, with infrastructure as well, because sometimes since we are we talk to a lot of people and we also talk to a lot of suppliers and, and you know we have sometimes we, we figure out things that maybe the business units haven't really figured out themselves yet. So it's like yeah. it's like top down and bottom yeah. up, right? Uh, right. Yeah. So uh, but that that's an interesting one. And then of course our cloud journey has will 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 change our network topology completely. Of course. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That that will be the case. So that that's I would say is priority number one now to to change our whole network layout uh, towards being uh, cloud adopted and and as I said before, more internet, less hardware. How do we? What will right. what will happen? Right. Uh, in within that domain. Do Do you also need to think about sort of your? Uh, of course, from telegeography, this is the way we always mm -hmm. frame it. But your your cloud geography, so it's it's one thing to say I'm going to use AWS, I'm <laughs> going to use Azure, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. But then when you have this global network where you're doing a lot of probably cloud computing in terms of the warehouse data processing, or maybe even eventually store data processing mm -hmm. on customers, mm -hmm. are you looking at how to best um, cite those cloud instances uh, for the best performance around uh, uh, all these different global sites? Is that something that's uh, down the road maybe a little? Or? No, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this always goes in, you know, chunks. If you want to drive change, we have had before a very, you know, just, you know, point in one direction, we should go towards the cloud. Uh, just mm -hmm. to get get the ball rolling, uh, which has been right, very right. good. Uh, but yeah, you have to take the first step to yes, start, right? Exactly, yeah. and and then uh, at some point in time, you start to ask yourselves the questions that you just brought up there, right? How do we right. how do we optimize this in a smart way? Uh, like a simple thing, very simple in a way. Where do we have our staff today? If you just mm -hmm. took the map behind you, where do we have our staff, right? <laughs> right. So if you have like right. fifty five percent of them in Sweden for now, maybe. Maybe it mm -hmm. would be wise to have, you know, cloud resources close to those. If you have a lot of people in China, which is it's a, where they are very far ahead in payment solutions, we all know that in China right. it looks very different. Right. So maybe we need to have possibilities to, to use uh, cloud services there, of course. So I mm -hmm. think it has it, it's it's a it's a balance that it will go back and forth. Uh, but but I think uh, cloud will be as any anything from from an infrastructure perspective. You have to. Put it like a little bit more. What options are available, and and how do you 
make the most out of that based on what your particular enterprise is doing. Mm-hmm. That, Absolutely. That, that, that's my guess. You know, I want to touch on something that, that we, we brought up a little while before uh, just to kind of circle back on in terms of obviously your retail sites have probably mostly stayed online this whole time. Your warehouse sites have mostly stayed online this whole time, but you have knowledge workers, the the sort of back office, as it were, headquarters with, I'm presuming, a lot of folks as you are staying home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may continue in the future. And you mentioned this sort of model of um, of of having meeting places more so than than office spaces. If if that does kind of materialize that way, they decide yeah. to save money on Class A office space or whatnot. Um, does that change the way you see things? Obviously, you may need smaller con- connections mm-hmm. at those sites, but are you going to think about how well those home broadband uh, uh, connections work for certain employees? Like maybe maybe if it's only mm-hmm. the C level or the you know upper management, um, is that something that comes on your radar as as an infrastructure manager? Uh, not 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 for now, I would say at least it, it's something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the basically it's. No, I wouldn't say so. Um, but it's an interesting uh, topic that you bring up. But but I, I maybe look at it from a bit of a different view. I mean, uh, in the past, at least, it's as well as been like, you know, you work from home, uh, sometimes you have issues and then you, you drop, you know, you drop a call to the service desk. Right. Uh, and maybe the VPN client is it working or whatever. Uh, but but to, to, and then it was always like decided that the office space was better from every aspect than working from right. home. But today I would say that I would, I, I would say that the, the, the work from home quality is, is accepted almost from, from, from any type of personas, as we call it in H&M, you have different mm-hmm. categories of people doing different things. But if you do work with heavy applications or, or, you know, work with design of clothing and, and, and and, and those things, of course, there may be a need that you need to have a high speed connection, but it could also be that you need to have a high end laptop instead. Right, right. So but I think yeah. we, we learn as we go within this area. And, and uh, it's an interesting topic that we have discussed a few times internally as to what, what would it really look like? But mainly from my perspective, it's like, you know, when we do life cycle management, for instance, of gear, should we, mm-hmm. Lots of our lots of people are working from home today, and basically lots of the equipment is unused. Same goes for network links, right? Of course, yeah. So, but it's under contract, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. It yeah. is under contract, so you have yeah. to you have to work constantly yeah. with those things and see how you can right. can optimize based on the situation right now. And and um, yeah, I, I think everything is gonna 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 change a lot. But the main focus now, from our network perspective, is to get SD-WAN deployed and, and start to use as functionality. And also mm-hmm. we, we, we really try to look more, we have like, like a bit of a vision, like network as a code. Uh, yeah, so. that's an interesting topic. Yeah, um, I, I, I need to do a lot more homework there, but what are, what are, you, what are you guys looking to do with that concept sort of, um, uh, is, it, is it in terms of turning on bandwidth as needed? Is it in terms of, of getting the network itself to be more intelligent about um, what is happening on the network at that time without engineers getting involved? What's what's your uh, sort yeah, of goal I there? think it's to be honest, we, we are in the exploration phase about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, <clears throat> simple things such as you know you can look at this from different perspective. But uh, 
if you look from an operational perspective, I mean, you, you could in theory have scripts checking the devices. If you have problems, they can do certain things automatically that, mm -hmm. that an engineer needs to do in case someone calls in and if there's a problem. So you can save right. time and, and gain efficiency there. You, you can, in theory, have like zero touches, of course, the next thing. Uh, right. That's right. on the other side when you come more on the implementation side of things. Mm -hmm. But what, mm -hmm. what, uh, so it, it's a variety of things, uh, how, how, how we should try to work with this. But the SD-WAN as a part is, 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 of course, the first thing. And then there are all these types of tools that you can use for automation, right? Uh, to get things more efficient, but if we could, if we could in the long run have like orderable features in our in our ordering systems, that would be really right. nice. So it just pushes the config uh, towards that particular device, and that's it. Uh, easy to right. say, hard to achieve, of course. Yeah. It's hard to achieve, and and there's something that that always uh, uh, sticks with me about this topic um, in general, because you know when you look at what um, I don't know how familiar your work you are maybe with the work of like MEF and and all the the work they're doing on standardization for for both uh, sort of orchestration and then separately for SD WAN, but mm -hmm. all of it is around these conversations about provisioning on demand bandwidth on demand and you know all that mm. kind of stuff which is really cool especially in the data center and on the network core but in the end you still have to have a pipe of a certain size going yeah. to the office True. right True. so it's like you know i mean uh may, you know maybe with with fiber at a lot of offices and and you can you can but but in the end it still comes down to how how much bandwidth do i have going to that office and is it on yeah. right yeah. you know so yeah, you're right but i think it's different, a few different aspects of that if, if if you talk about the metro ethernet forum and, and those things it's mm -hmm. it's a lot of based on, on on you know you have like the legacy world where you have you know carriers selling to isps and, and where you want to create you know uh, values in that uh, that direction but i think if you if you look into what enterprises require it, it may look a bit different uh, i don't say right. it's, that it's right. good or bad but i say it's just a bit different um, yeah, of course. Yeah, so, it's a, it, the world looks different sitting from that side than it does when your primary goal is things like, like you know, provisioning customers instead of uh, you know making yes, your internal yes, customers yes, able to do their yes, job, right? So yes. yeah, and and then, and of course, any I mean, it's easy to discuss these things, but but I think any enterprise looks different. I mean, they have different skill sets within the organization, as we said before, and I right. think also that of course is a, it's a. You know, challenge for the suppliers sometimes because they they have to. Right. It, it depends on what you know what you need to get as an enterprise, and in some areas you have extremely high knowledge, maybe too high sometimes. And in yeah. Some, yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and sometimes they want to they want to do everything themselves rather than yeah, yeah exactly exactly yeah. correct. So mm -hmm. so uh, but that it's an interesting area. I, I've talked a lot of carriers and then listen to what they have to say, and then it's it's it's, mm -hmm. it's funny to see how they try to to work with these things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and also, you know, in, in our WAN manager survey, we, we, where we can, we break some of the information out by industry, for example. And, and we see just in simple questions like what services are using, what kind of bandwidths are you using. There, there are very big differences between the industries, which mm -hmm. have to do with what kind of compute needs they have and what kind of reporting needs they have. If you're in healthcare, you have all kinds of reporting yeah. that you have to do. And, and that lends itself to a different networking style than it does if you're in say technology and everything has already been optimized for best efforts from the get-go anyway you know yeah. so 
Uh, but I think, I mean, we, we're not really there yet, but I think the next thing would be like, call it like edge computing or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. where you actually mm-hmm. can span out, you, you can span out the uh, cloud to, to any particular site, for instance. But, but who knows what, what will happen in that field. But I think that's an interesting area as well that, that, will, that will come up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was really fascinating. Any any final thoughts on on sort of where you see things going or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean within H and M now we, yeah, we have uh, we... lots of things to focus on to support our business, as I said a few times here, and, right, and uh, right. make the most out of the functionalities that that are available in the in the market now, and, and uh, make it work because that that's a lot of work for us. Yeah, that's the key, mm-hmm. right? And and to uh, it's it's been an a sort of exciting time now. There was a long time where where you know things were fairly static in the WAN. You know when MPLS kind of replaced Private Line for most people, and and that was just what you did. Um, I think now it's uh, it's become a, a more of an issue of like you have to stay on top of changes that are coming at a very rapid pace, but not jump in too quickly <laughs> and and have to re- rethink everything all over again just a few years later. Right. Yeah, true. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I always like to end things, though, on a, on a sort of non-telecom note. And, and for that, I'm just curious, what is maybe the, the one thing that you are missing the most or looking the most forward to once we have a, a vaccine distributed across the world and, and uh, life returns to a little bit of more normal? Having a pint in a pub. Uh, you know what? That is really funny because, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. That is, uh, that is a very common answer to that question. And I agree. I actually, I actually do like a, a fun podcast of my own outside of work about drinking songs. So I haven't, I I haven't been able to sing any songs with my podcast partner, uh, in, in real life for a long time. (laughs) All the best for this year then, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Yes. Yes. Fingers crossed. No, I, I'm I'm still pretty far down the vaccine distribution <laughs> list, but uh, you know it's it's coming in sight. So. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Johan, and uh, I, I hope we can check in soon and see how all of this works all right. out. Thanks. Bye. Excellent. Bye. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So if you're listening and you like what you hear on the WAN Manager podcast, we think you're going to love the WAN Forum. Coming this spring, the WAN Forum is a new community and content hub that has been curated by me and my colleagues at Telegeography. So what does that mean? Well, it means we're building an online space for those folks who manage wide area networks and maintain IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. WAN Forum members can access exclusive telegeography analysis, presentations, research tools, bonus podcast content, and lots more. 
currently putting the finishing touches on the WAN forum, and we can't wait to show you the whole thing this spring. Now, normally membership is going to cost $999 a year, but if you want early access to the platform, in exchange for your feedback, we'll let you take that first look for free. So if you like the sound of that, email us at info at wanforum.com and we'll send you more details and we look forward to seeing you at the WAN Forum.